Hi, and welcome to Where the White Coats Come Off podcast. We are Katie and Beth, PAs and doctors of medical science who are here to help you get accepted into PA school, get through PA school, and then have a thriving career as a PA. So if you're a pre-PA, a PA student, or a physician assistant, then you are in the right place. We are so happy you are here and so excited for your future. Before we get started on today's exciting episode, we want you to take a deep breath, close your eyes, and imagine the day when you finally and confidently submit your CASPA application, an application that you are super proud of and that sets you apart from the thousands of other applicants. Then imagine the day you open your inbox and you see not one, but two, then three invites to some of your favorite PA programs. Then imagine your interview day. You go into your interview confident in your answers and confident that you are a competitive candidate. You crush your interview and wow your interview panel. Finally, imagine the day you receive the email, the one you have hustled for so hard and for so many years, the email that says, congratulations, you were accepted into PA school. This can be your reality, and our entire mission is to help you get accepted to PA school as quickly and painlessly as possible. Through our years of working at PA programs, reviewing CASPA apps, and interviewing candidates, we saw so many applicants make mistakes that cost them an interview or acceptance into PA school. We don't want this to be you. We will mentor you and guide you through the overwhelm of applying to PA school, creating a competitive application, and nailing your interview so you can finally get accepted. We show you exactly how in our application to acceptance course. Check it out in the show notes. Where will you be in one year if you don't take action? Don't waste your time and money reapplying. Charge forward and go all in on your dream of becoming a PA. You are so close. Don't stop now. Let's get you accepted. Again, check out the application to acceptance course in the show notes. Now on to today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Where the White Coats Come Off. My name is Beth and I'll be your host for today. Today we have an amazing guest joining us. Devin Stetson is joining us all the way from California and she's going to talk all about her journey to PA school and give you some actionable tips, whether you're a pre-PA student, a PA student, or whether you have just graduated and are job hunting. So join me in welcoming Devin to the podcast. Devin, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. We are so excited to connect with you. And so for our listeners who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, sure. Okay. Well, I am 26 years old and I currently live in Southern California. I was born and raised here and I went to PA school, luckily in Southern California. So I was able to stay close to my family. I went to undergrad at USC and I guess my kind of like thing about me that's different is that I completely graduated with a different degree, different degree than what I initially wanted to go into, which was journalism. So I was a junior in college when I decided to look into the PA profession. And at that point, it was already kind of too late to change my major. So I finished out my degree with a Bachelor of Arts in journalism. And then I applied to PA school a few years, a year or two after, and I ended up getting in and I went to Western University. Did that have PTSD from that? It was just (laughs) the wildest, craziest time ever. And now I have since been graduated and just started working in the beginning of this year. So I'm just kind of trying to figure things out while also, you know, give people advice from what I, from what I know from my experience. Yeah, I love that because, you know, you do come from a different background with a journalism degree and we have a lot of students that mm-hmm. think like, oh, it's too late or I'm too different. And so you're no, living no, proof. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how that came about. So you're in journalism, obviously taking all these classes and then a junior, all of a sudden you decide PA, kind of what made you switch? 
Yeah, so I actually was studying abroad at the time, and my roommate who I was studying abroad with, both of her parents were doctors, and I kind of was going through like a weird crisis. I was like, I don't like what I'm doing. I don't want to go back after the semester is over and continue to do the same thing. And I had a few internships, and I was specifically a public relations major, so I had a few internships doing different things with PR, and I just didn't feel like I was really fulfilled and I I wasn't doing the things that I thought I was best at so like using my hands and not that there isn't higher level thinking happening in PR but like just really high level qualitative quantitative thinking and honestly medicine was the last thing that was on my like radar I didn't think I was smart enough I didn't think I could do it The, the journey to like do anything medical is a whether you're a nurse whether you're a PA, whether you're a doctor, it's a long journey for anybody. So I just felt like it was so far out of reach for me. But again, my roommate, both of her parents were doctors, and she kind of just was like, why don't you look into it and just see what it's like? And so I kind of did a, like a deep dive into what it took to be both an NP and a PA, because I wasn't sure at that point. And it made more sense for me to become a PA. And I say deep dive, but I also feel like I definitely didn't know the extent of commitment that it was going to take because looking back here I am now looking back I don't know that I if I knew it was going to be this hard and this crazy I I don't know if I would have had the willpower to do it just because it is really hard and I think that's something that I really want to be honest about is that it wasn't easy for me and it was definitely very difficult but it wasn't impossible so that's kind of my my harshness but also my encouragement No, I do love that because I think if you come in expecting it to be, you know, oh, okay, I know it's going to be hard, but not that bad, then sometimes people can get messed up for a semester and dig themselves into a hole where they can't get out of. So I think being real about like, hey, it's tough, it's worth it, it's tough, but expect it to be the hardest thing that you ever do, right, for most people. Yes, I say that all the time. And it's so funny that you said that because I knew it was going to be very, very, very hard PA school. I knew it was going to be like crazy, but... I remember telling one of my best friends in the program, I didn't know it was going to be like this. And she was like, really? Like, I I feel like I expected it. I knew it was going to be this hard. And I said, I just don't know how I could have thought of something being this crazy. And again, I don't want to discourage anybody or make them sound like it's impossible because obviously it's not. But you just, yeah, it's it's a lot. It was hard. Yeah, and we actually have a lot of students um, first, second week of school, and it's the same thing. They're like, you know, you just can't comprehend what it's like until you're in here. And the nice thing is, is you're kind of in the trenches with everybody else in your class, so you become really, really connected with them because they're the only ones who can truly understand what you're going through. Your family and friends might be so supportive, true. but they don't they don't get it, like why you have to study all the time and why you have to miss something. They don't get it. Yeah. I was in PA school during like the peak and well, really just the beginning of COVID and then the peak of COVID. So I really didn't go into to school very much. And so luckily I have amazing parents and they let me stay at home and I was living at home. And I, I used to say, if anyone were to understand the craziness of PA school, like it would be my parents because I'm living there and they get it, but they still would never get it because you just don't know it unless you're in it. So it's very true. Yeah. Okay, so you decided junior year, maybe you wanted something different, you found the PA route, it seemed to fit you. So as someone who had a journalism major, as you said, you went ahead and got your major, what did you have to do kind of post-bac in order to be able to apply and get ultimately accepted into PA school? Sure, so I realized that there were probably two routes that I could take. As a junior, I could go back and 
basically start over. And I don't, USC is a private school, so it's very expensive. And I did not want to, nor would my parents pay for me to do kind of like a whole four years over again to do anything like a biology degree or whatever. And also, again, I was a junior, so I only had one year left, not enough time for me to take my remaining classes for my actual journalism degree and supplement with the prereqs that you would need for PA school. So one route would have been to go back and basically develop a new major, which might have been possible if I was a sophomore or maybe in the beginning of junior year, but that just wasn't for me. And then my second option was to graduate with a degree in journalism, take all the classes that I could fit in my schedule that I, because you know how when you become like a senior, you kind of have like um, blocks in your schedule because you've taken enough classes, you're allowed to have some free time. So that was basically what I did. I, I supplemented with the classes that I could. And I think my first class I took was like anatomy and it was so hard. I was like, what am I doing? And then once I graduated, I set myself up so that literally the week after I graduated from college, I started summer school at a community college, getting all of the classes that I needed. And I know it can be so confusing because like one school can, you know, require three classes for this and one school can require one class for this. And you're like, jumbling them all up so I just made an excel doc and I basically took every single class that I needed to for every school that I wanted to apply to and that meant starting from summer school and doing like a full year of classes taking some classes online some classes in person I even went to like different community colleges just in order to get my schedule to the point where it would need to be at for me to be able to apply the following year so I remember I was going to I even like I don't even know how this happened but I called like one of the universities that's close to my house and I for some reason I don't even know how I knew this but if you graduated from a college you can sometimes take classes at their college without having to like apply and it wasn't it was a real college so I'm not exactly sure what happened (laughs) why they let me take class there but they did so I just really did everything I could in order to get all the classes I needed, and then I applied the following year. I love how organized you seem. You're like, yep, I knew exactly when I was taking what, and I was calling schools, because you're right, a lot of times you have to take prereqs in order to take upper-level science courses, so you had to really, really be organized to make sure you got everything in, so so kudos to that. So anybody who's yeah. in your kind of similar situation that maybe they have another major, or maybe they feel like they're a little bit late to the game, what are some tips you would tell them if they're trying to figure out scrambling to get prereqs, et cetera? If they want to do similar to what I did and graduate with that degree that they have start as soon as you can that would be my first tip start with summer school and I it was so hard for me because you graduate college and you see all your friends getting apartments and and maybe even taking time off to like travel before they get jobs and here I am sitting in a community college classroom living at home and I'm just like okay I don't know if I'm doing the right thing but it's what I wanted so it was the right thing but that would be my first tip is just starting as soon as you can or even compiling more classes in uh, in order to be able to apply by that certain deadline and honestly just being very organized. I was doing a lot of research about what schools I wanted to apply to and although you probably should apply to a large amount of schools it's it might not be that feasible for you because again you have a shorter period of time so you might not be able to get into all those classes that you need for to apply to 30 different schools. So I think I applied to like 30 schools, which is still a good amount. 
but that was kind of like the most amount of schools that I could apply to based off of just the classes. So just being very organized and knowing exactly what classes that you need and fighting for your, your spot in those classes, I would say, because that's just, it was tough. I never experienced anything like that before, trying to fight for a spot in a class, so. Yeah, I think that's such great advice, just being organized. We call it the roadmap to success, right? Figure out where you want to go yep. and then backtrack and figure out how you're going to get there. Because otherwise, as you said, you'll come up and you'll be like, oops, I can't apply to this school because I missed this or something. So great, great tips exactly. for our listeners. All right, exactly. so graduated from PA school. And where are you currently working? What specialty are you currently working in? I am currently working in primary care. It is a little bit different and something that I also find pretty interesting because I had never met or know of any, and maybe you might, I don't know of any PAs that work in, it's a concierge primary care office. So basically there's three providers and I'm the only PA there and they all are only allowed, and I'm using air quotations because it's just the allotted number that they feel comfortable with having, about three to 400 patients per provider. And they only see about four to eight patients a day. It's crazy because I had never experienced anything like that, especially my rotations. You're seeing 20, 30, 40 patients a day, not getting the time to be close to your patients and really talk to them and hear them out and help them. So it's been a whole like learning experience for me. But yes, in short, primary care, but it's a concierge primary care office. Yeah, and for those listeners who might not understand, there are some primary care offices that typically you pay a fee to be a member mm-hmm. of that primary care office, and so it's concierge. So not they don't take everybody. They only take a certain amount of providers, and at least the ones around here, they kind of guarantee certain things. They guarantee they'll see you within 24 hours of you know any, any issue you have, and so you do get a little bit longer with these patients because they do pay a monthly or a yearly fee. And it also keeps, Correct. so that, that helps like the office afford to be able to see less patients and you can get really, really get to know your patients a little bit better. So from a provider standpoint, do you feel like that's, that's pretty true that you really get the time that you need to spend with your patients? Yes. Our appointments, like a physical is two hours long. If they come in just for like an acute visit, that is 30 minutes to an hour. So you don't always need all that time. And I know I was like, well, what do you need to do for two hours? Like, that's crazy. But living it and seeing it, it's like, we are so thorough. We do every test. We basically, I mean, they like to say, and I totally agree that these patients are like our friends. So we're talking with them. We know all about their lives. And another thing that I wanted to add is like the, basically they're paying for access to their doctor. So I have a work phone that's separate from my personal phone and they can call me 24 hours a day seven days a week everyone's really nice and they don't like call you in the middle of the night just to you know chat or whatever but realistically they could if they wanted to so yeah it's been a whole like change big learning curve for me only because it's so different than any other specialty that i've ever worked in including regular primary care but it's, it's amazing. If you really love to get time with your patients and really feel like you can kind of see like a full circle of your care, I would say if you can find a concierge office, then that would be really, really great for you. And the work-life balance and not burning out because you're not seeing that many patients is really great too. Yeah, I know around here, you know, the bigger cities like Nashville has some concierge services, et cetera. Do you find that they're pretty common there in Southern California? Yeah, so it's funny because I... I'm working for, it was like the first concierge office in Southern California or maybe California, but now I think there's like tens of thousands. So it's really, 
tens of thousands across the state. And it's just like really popular where I'm from and where I live, but I don't know how popular it would be in other states, but where I am, it is very popular. People love to have a concierge doctor and be able to call their doctor whenever they want. So, yeah. Yeah, I can understand the appeal of that if I had uh, multiple health conditions or was very fragile, you know, yeah. just the being yeah. able to know you're going to get being seen because we see that a lot. One of the n- number one complaints is one, they don't ever take the time. They only have 10 minutes to see me. And two, I can't get in whenever I get acutely ill because as we know, you know, uh, family medicine is overrun. So I think that the concierge is becoming more and more popular. I don't think it's quite as popular around here as it is Southern California, but it wouldn't surprise me, mm-hmm. you know, if it does start to spread because people I think really do like seeing the same provider, really like just patients like making that relationship too. So that's super interesting. So obviously you work in concierge medicine now. Um, How did you end up getting a job there? Like how did you apply for jobs after graduation? Can you talk a little bit about some maybe tips for students who might be thinking about applying for jobs soon after graduation? Absolutely. So it took me quite some time to find this job. I took my pants in August and then found out like a week later that I passed and I did want to take some time off but I didn't anticipate taking, so it was essentially like maybe five or six months that I took off, but I was actively looking for a job. And I originally wanted to go into urgent care, so I was looking all over, and I even expanded my search from where initially I wanted to live because it was just kind of, it was hard. So I was going through all the regular websites that people use to get jobs and trying to, you know, meet people who knew people and it ended up just not working out for me because a lot of the urgent cares, they were single provider urgent cares. And as a new graduate, I just didn't feel comfortable being the only provider on call or even there. Just at least for like the first few months, I, I wanted some companion, whether that was a PA or a doctor or an NP, anybody. And they were all saying, yeah, we have like a training process. And it was like a week long. So it just, it wasn't right for me. And I'm not saying that wouldn't be the right for somebody else but for me I like to have a little bit of extra support especially right now just I'm still very new so I kind of shifted it to primary care a bit and I realized a lot of the websites that people go on they weren't really I wasn't finding much success so what I did is I just I knew the area that I wanted to live in and the area that I would have really loved to work in so I basically just typed in like on Google primary care offices in and then whatever city I was in. And I was cold calling offices left and right. Even if they weren't, even if they didn't have any listings up, I was emailing their like general info at, and I was calling them. And I think people are nervous to do that because they might feel like they're bothering the office. And perhaps, I mean, there are some offices that might not be interested in you, but it, for me, it was really like I had great success with that, way more success than when I was just applying on regular job sites. So that would be probably my biggest tip for getting a job is just calling offices and asking. And ask, even if anything, they have your name and your resume. And if in a few months they want to hire or they're looking to hire then, then they have that. But that's exactly how I got my job. They were like, actually, we are looking to hire. And they didn't have any ads posted, nothing. So it was serendipitous. But I, I definitely was calling all day for hours a day. So 
I love it. It's so old school and yet like it worked. You know what I mean? That it sometimes works. we forget, yeah. you know, that real people talk on the phone, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I absolutely love that. You know, in the old days, you used to go to HR departments and just drop off your resume. And uh, I remember I tried doing that and they don't even accept resumes now, like at HR departments at hospitals and stuff. Like they don't, they don't do any physical. So I think it's so great that you're just like called and it's like, hey, you know, keep me in mind. I think a lot of times too, yep. they're like, yeah, we're thinking about hiring a PA, but they haven't really like, you know, pull the trigger or really thought, but when the right person comes along, they're like, oh yeah, we've been thinking about this for a while. Let's go ahead. So kudos yeah. to you for like being out there and been like, no, I'm just going to call and see and get my name out and get my uh, resume out there. So um, that's uh, that's some great tips. Exactly. So what is the, uh, what is a day like of a concierge medicine PA? What sort of things do you typically see on a day-to-day basis? Sure. So but right now, since I'm still kind of starting out, I majority of what the doctors see, their annual visits. So they are very scheduled with when their patients come in and they want them to come in, if, if not annually, like every one or twice every year. So they're busy with that. So what I'm kind of seeing is the more acute visits. And it's actually kind of worked out because I initially wanted urgent care because you're seeing kind of more acute things. And that's kind of what I'm doing right now in the in the office right now. So Lots of, it's like everyone's sick right now. I actually just got through having COVID. So I'm seeing tons of sick patients as far as like sinus infections, people coming in with like sore throats and itchy eyes, lots of allergies. I am seeing a lot of follow-ups for blood pressure management and lots of skin rashes, kind of surface level stuff, but it's actually really nice right now because I have a feeling that it doesn't really get much harder than that in primary care. Because if it is, you probably need to send them to a specialist. But it's really, really, really great. And that's exactly why I wanted to stay general, urgent care or primary care. Because I wanted to kind of hone in on the skills and the knowledge that I learned and spent so much time on in school. I didn't want to forget that. So that's what I'm doing right now. And I'm really happy with it. Yeah, and you bring up such a great point, and everybody told me this, and of course, I totally did not listen to this advice, but they're like, hey, you know, submit your knowledge, like do a couple years in some kind of primary internal medicine, ER, something where you're going to see a whole bunch of different things, and that way you kind of remember it, and then you can branch off from that, figure out what you like, Um, and so I give my students the same advice, I say, don't do what I do, (laughs) like uh, take my advice and do that, because I think that that really is true, because as of right now, you'll still have to, you know, pass your primary care boards um, every 10 years. So uh, I think that that's so true and just kind of solidify your knowledge and then figure out what you love from that. Well, it's been really fascinating. If our listeners would like to hear more about you or maybe learn more about concierge medicine, um, do you have anywhere where they could find you, any social media handles, etc.? Yes. So I'm on Instagram. It is devin.thepa. So it's D-E-V-A-N dot the P-A. I also have a TikTok same thing and then um, I have an email if you guys want it's devin.thepa at gmail.com and then last I have a website I post blog posts um, and I'll normally like ask my Instagram people what they want um, and I just like to help you guys out I have a few guides out if you guys are interested but everything is all under the same handle so everyone can see me there if they want 
Awesome. And guys, for our listeners, we will put all her information in the show notes so you can easily find it. Click follow Devin. And again, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story with us. It's really fascinating. I love it when you kind of have a different background and kind of a different path to PA school because it really does show our listeners that, hey, PAs come from all walks of life and there's no right, there's no wrong. Just because you didn't get a biology degree doesn't mean you're not going to make a good PA. So thank you so much for sharing that story and super interested in concierge medicine. I've met a few, but I haven't met any PAs that work in it. So I love the fact that it's spreading it's becoming a thing that you're really you know getting to know your patients because I think that's one place where PAs really really shine people people love great PAs and I think they love us because we give attention to our patients and we care and hopefully I'm just kind of spreading that same love and that's really all I want to do is just help people so if I'm doing that then I'm happy thank you so much for listening to where the white coats come off We are so happy to connect with you and share our passion of the PA profession. Don't forget to go to the show notes and join our super fun Pacers membership so you can start making your CASPA application more competitive today with virtual shadowing hours, coaching sessions with us, and so much more. Also in the show notes, we have a free download, an Excel PA school record keeper that mimics CASPA format, meaning you keep all of your shadowing hours, patient care experiences, volunteer information, awards you have received, leadership roles, and the loads of other information you need to apply to PA school in one place. So you can copy paste into CASPA when you go to apply. Get it in the show notes. Have a great day and we will see you at the next episode. Keep up the awesome work.